As I uh, begin, I'm struck by uh, the idea of the kingship of Jesus as something uh, that we can look at today in relation to our gospel. I've always had a hard time connecting our gospel to the idea of this feast, Christ the King. And last Monday, I read an incredible article uh, that broke it all down. And so I'm so grateful for a guy named Brian Stoffrig. And I don't even know if he's still alive or if he wrote this in the Middle Ages, but uh, it was great stuff. But uh, the first thing he pointed out was that uh, in uh, when Jesus, where he was in the Middle East, kingship and kingdom wasn't defined by geography that most of us are familiar with a kind of European or Western model, which is if you were born in this guy's territory, that's your king. But in Jesus' day and age and in his culture, it all was about who you were loyal to, who you proclaimed was your king. And, and there's great examples of it historically. Uh, Roman citizens uh, in Greece uh, who declared themselves Roman citizens and were given through other reasons all kinds of rights and privileges and even protections. And even to today, and I had never connected this, that's still to some extent the way uh, the government in Israel functions. That some of you may remember in the 1980s, uh, they found in Ethiopia, there were a group of Jews that no one knew about. They were completely disconnected from the rest of the world. And they were in the uh, jungles of Ethiopia. And when they were discovered, people immediately, the government immediately started slaughtering them. And that the Israelis sent these huge 747s that they picked them up and brought them back to Israel. Uh, this idea of Jesus as king as more of this Eastern model where for you and I, geography doesn't matter. Jesus is our king. It doesn't matter where we live. It matters where our allegiance is, and our, that's our first challenge. Will you and I accept Jesus as king? Can we agree that at least once a day, we should say to the Lord, you're God, I'm not, you follow, I lead. That there is a great trust that we need to hold to and say, Lord, you're in charge. And I want to be clear, I am always up for offering God very helpful suggestions. Uh, and uh, I do that often, and I'm sure they are indispensable to our Lord. Uh, but at core, guys, when you and I say Jesus is our king, there is a, that's what the church calls an act of the will. Lord, I follow you. You're in charge. I'm not. Here's the part that gets hard for me some days. I don't always understand. I don't get you. I'm not you, so I don't think like you. And I don't like where you're taking me today. But I'm going to trust you. Because you're in charge. Can we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, agree that it is pretty darn essential to our Catholic faith that every day we say to God, you're in charge. You lead, I follow. I don't even need you to make sense to me. I need to trust you. That for us, that can be tough. And uh, Deacon Denny always, just the, one of the best challenges he ever gave me 
was this idea of remember the prayer Jesus gave us. We're supposed to ask him for our what bread? Do you remember? I hope you remember, dear Lord. You're Catholic though. You're just going to, somebody else do this? Uh, daily bread, not weekly bread, not monthly bread. Yuck, I hate that. Daily bread, it's radical trust. Lord, I'm not even going to worry about tomorrow. I'm just going to focus on trusting you today. I think something that can help us with the whole trust thing, and remember, by the way, trust is not a feeling, right? I, it happens a lot. People say to me, Father, I don't trust the Lord. And I say, well, what does trust look like to you? I don't know. That's why you don't trust him. Yeah, you've given yourself no standard. It doesn't mean you feel totally at peace all the time. We can't manufacture that. But can we say to our turbulence, to our fear, I trust you, Jesus. I don't like this, but I trust you. What will strengthen our trust is to remember what our king did with his power. Huh? What did he do with his power? Except this. What did he do except lay it all down to save us? He saw our distress. He saw the results of the fall, the violence in our heart, our pride, our selfishness, all of it. He saw we were tearing ourselves and the world to pieces. And instead of standing, uh, staying up in heaven, in a sense, he ran here and became like us in all things but sin to show us this is how you do it. And we had three enemies, just three, right? Sin, suffering, and death. And he took all three on and crushed them on our behalf. And he did it, get this, through us killing him not through him dominating us, but by his sacrifice. If he'll do that, I can trust him. Yeah? I can trust him. Why would a God who did that do anything that isn't in my best interest, even if it hurts me a bit? We can trust our king, and we follow him, and as we say, Jesus, I trust you. And when I don't trust you, I'm going to think about this. I'm going to think about the Eucharist. I'm going to think about the incarnation, all these wonderful things. Something extraordinary will happen to us. We'll be a little less focused on if we are completely comfortable and at peace at all times and a little more focused on the crazy gratitude we should carry in our heart everywhere we go. I have been saved from sin and suffering and death. And because of that gratitude, I'm going to try to save other people in whatever way I can. And that's where that gospel comes in. Where Jesus gathers all these people together at judgment and he judges them. And what's great is that, you have noticed, they're all surprised. The people he says, good job. They're like, us? What did we do? I never saw you hungry and fed you. They're surprised because it never occurred to them that doing the right thing should be rewarded. 
They fed the hungry because they had been saved, so they want to save others. They clothed the naked because they recognized what God had done for them, and it never occurred to them to not do the same for someone else. That this is the root of every good work we do, not to earn something we can't earn, but as an expression of gratitude to a God who saved us. God is quite literally telling you and I in the gospel, you want to thank me? Great. Take care of the poor. Take care of the needy. Visit the sick. Those are the things we're supposed to do. It's a funny thing, if you get into the whole Catholic world online, A, don't. Uh, everybody's arguing about rules and about mass and about doing this right and doing it. And that's nice, I guess. But I've never seen anyone get up and argue vociferously for or against the fact that we should be feeding the poor, clothing the naked, visiting the sick. Nobody's arguing about that. Now, that some might say, well, you know, this all goes back to government funding. Whatever. I can't control what the government does. I can control what I do. And if I'm not giving to the poor, I am failing. If I'm not visiting the lonely and the sick, I am failing. And it's a failure of gratitude. Look what he did for us. How can we not do everything for whoever needs us? That's our challenge, guys, and it, it ties into judgment. So God is fairly to partly cloudy serious about this one. So I invite all of us, me included, to make sure we start our day. Jesus, you're in charge. I'm not going to tell you what Christianity looks like. You're going to tell me. And if it offends every personal belief I have, fine, you win. We're going to follow him. And if we struggle with, Lord, I don't like where you're taking me. I don't like where this is going. That's a great time to remember what our king did for us. He saw that sin and suffering and death were killing us. So he killed them. And he did it by sacrificing himself. How can we not sacrifice? How can we not walk around with hearts full of gratitude? And in that gratitude, give back to whomever we can, whoever needs help. This Eucharist we're going to receive, it's not just something we're going to receive so that we can check a box. Yep, did my Jesus thing this week. It's supposed to be fuel to be radically grateful and for that gratitude to pour itself out in sacrifice and in giving. In what might be the best moment of your day, I'm ending the homily now. But I would like us to do something. Uh, the church always gives us the option of praying the creed together or of renewing our baptismal promises. And what struck me as I prayed about this is this is a great time for us to say those, I do, right? To say those together as a statement, Jesus, you're my king. We renounce the kingdom of darkness and we embrace the kingdom of light. And so I'll invite you to rise and with your whole heart respond, I do, to the following. Do you renounce Satan? I do. 
and all his works and all his empty show. Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered death and was buried, rose again from the dead, and is seated at the right hand of the Father? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting? This is our faith. It is the faith of all who proclaim Christ their King, and we're so proud to profess it in Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's offer our prayers to the Lord.